Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. So I think my dream would be to get to do more of the things I love on a day-to-day basis instead of them kind of being siloed in my life right now. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulvia Jaffarli, a data scientist in Italy. Although I'm living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail. Do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. So I'm sure you've thought of this before, like I have, this concept of how important play is. I thought of it so many times. I was listening to the book um, Essentialism. It reminded me of the, the key importance of play and rest in productivity, in being our best selves. And I think as driven people, it's the first thing we sacrifice. We sacrifice sleep, we sacrifice personal time, we sacrifice play in order to get more done. But actually what ends up happening is we become foggier mentally and we get less done and we're depleted and energetically taxed. And so incorporating that time to play is just a vital part in being our best driven selves and I know that it's something that I want to be more mindful of uh, moving forward I'd like to think that I've been mindful of it in the past and I have my moments but then I, I so quickly forget so I'm glad it's come up again and I plan to 
go play. Maybe go to the beach or I don't even know. You know, it's like I have to explore to even think what is play for me. I admittedly do not play enough. So I'm, is it pottery making? Is it is it planting flowers? Like what it, what is play for me? So I think it's important that I incorporate play into my daily or often weekly um, living. I'm just driving around. So if you hear my car bumps, that's what that sound is. I hope you enjoy the next episode. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest from Brooklyn, New York. Mary, welcome to the show. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. Let's jump straight into it. Go ahead, kick things off with a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yes, so I work as a community manager at Major League Hacking. Basically what that means is it's my job to help support our hackathon organizers all across the world. So I do a lot of work in making sure that they can host amazing events for folks to come and learn some new programming skills, meet some new friends, and build awesome projects on the weekends. Before that, I came from a background in computer science where I got super involved in tech education and just kind of fell in love with the community around hackathons and learning how to code and all of that good stuff. So that's a little bit about me. To have context, let's jump in for a second into Major League Hacking. Is that, that's how mm-hmm. you call it, right? Major League Hacking. And yes. you, or MLH. MLH, which sometimes confuses <laughs> me because I have to remember we're not talking about hockey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so let's just give some context to that because I think everybody listening may want to explore being involved with Major League Hacking. I just think it's really beneficial to the community. So can you tell us? Yeah, absolutely. So we're the global hacker community. um, And essentially, it's our mission to empower hackers all across the world. And we do that in a couple different ways. So what most people know us from is the collegiate hackathons that we run. And if folks aren't familiar with what a hackathon is, it typically looks like a 24 to 48 hour competition. I kind of think of it as an invention marathon. So it's not just about coding. A lot of times there's so many other things involved. It's great for designers, entrepreneurs, anyone who wants to build something. So we work with students to put on hackathons for their communities. And then outside of that, we have a few other product lines. We run a fellowship for people who are interested in learning how to code or getting involved with open source community. We run a couple larger events throughout the year, and we run a conference for hackathon organizers as well. Those are kind of big stuff we do at a, at a quick glance. And how can people get involved? Just to bookend the community service portion of our interview before before we dive into all things you, how can people get involved in Major League Hacking? Yeah, so we have events happening essentially every single weekend. The amazing thing right now is all of our events are online. So regardless of where you're at in the world, you can come to a hackathon this weekend with us if you would like. But mlh.io slash events is the easiest place. You can see a listing of everything happening that we're involved with. So 
highly recommend people go to one, whether you're new to coding or have been around for a long time. Um, it's just a fun way to get involved. I was going to say that one of my favorite things on the show is, you know, people who listen, who want to be in the coding world, but don't know how to get their foot in the door. What can you tell those people right now on how to utilize major league hacking? One, how to utilize it, but more so how to feel it's okay to like join, even though they know nothing about coding, like, because I know that they're feeling that, you know, imposter syndrome. I can't, I'm freaked out. I don't know. Kind of all these negative vibes. Like how do we positive vibe them up? hundred percent. This is one of my favorite questions because I feel like I encounter this all the time. So something interesting I like to tell people about our community is we've seen that our average event has about 50% brand new attendees. So people who are in the exact same shoes as everyone else who's new and scared and doesn't know what's going on. So I always like to tell folks that first because I think it's comforting to know you know, half the people here also have never done this before. So that's the first thing I'd say. In the more like technical skills area, things I'd recommend doing, we have a lot of events that are specifically geared towards beginner hackers. So if you look on our website, you can kind of browse through different uh, hackathons we work with and see if any are a little bit more focused on beginners. So that's a great one. We also run a ton of workshops every week. So if you just want to do like a two-hour commitment and like learn an intro to Python or something like that, we have Which that is as a coding well. language, by the way. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and then a third thing that I really recommend for beginners is our fellowship program can take you from, you know, very beginning, just learning how to code to starting to make contributions to open source projects. So I gotten to see just how much people have grown through that program. There's really amazing mentorship in it. I believe we have applications opening a little later on this year for our fall batch. Highly recommend that as well. One of the most useful ways to look at the world of tech, because there's so many roles within tech, you don't just have to be an engineer, you don't just have to be a developer or product designer or a graphic designer, you could be a project manager, you could, there's just so many things. I, I mean, I could list it forever. And what's difficult is to know which path is most interesting to you. So the best way to kind of dive in and find out is to do the thing and find out. And doing hackathons is a great way to like this buffet of tech roles to figure out which one really aligns with you. Like I know that I took a course, I think it was called One Month, like One Month Rails or something. But I think I, I took the Python one or something to find out if I really loved to be a coder. And I realized that that lifestyle wasn't what I was looking for in the world of code. And so though I've built multiple tech companies and I'm extremely immersed, obviously, in the tech space, like I am not a coder. I'm not a developer. It's not the only role within tech, but it also is a role in tech that may be the right fit for you. And there's no better way to find out than immersing yourself into a hackathon. So I think major league hacking is just such a cool resource to like accelerate your life, find out which path you want to take and then build it up and get really amazing at it. Yeah. Absolutely. I meet so many people who tell me that they went to a hackathon, you know, 
thinking maybe I'm interested in this aspect of tech and they come out discovery and there's 10 other areas of tech that they're even more interested in. And so I think it really, it really is a great way to do exactly what you were saying, like get a little bit of a taste of what different fields might look like and trial run them out in a very short amount of time. Totally. And Mary, for the people listening who are still nervous, where can they connect with you if they have questions? And even the people that are really experienced that are like, is this even worth my time? Where can everybody connect with you if they have questions? Yeah. So if you have questions specifically about MLH or trying to figure out which hackathon you want to go to or anything like that, you can shoot me an email email at league at mlh.io. It's L-E-A-G-U-E at mlh.io. So that inbox will go to our team and we're happy to, you know, kind of hear what you're interested in and help match you up with the right event. So just shoot us an email there. And then if you want to ask me questions on Twitter or anything like that, I'm just at MP Siebert on Twitter. And that's M-P-S-I-E-B-E-R-T on Twitter. Thanks so much, Mary. So Mary, let's get into your life in tech, how you immersed yourself in the tech world. When did you first become interested in the tech space? Were you a little girl? Was it later in life? Yeah, so it was a lot later for me, actually. I went to college not having any idea what I wanted to study. And a lot of other people kind of go in that boat as well. Um, at first and back then, I grew up in Kansas, right in the middle of the U.S. And my school didn't do any sort of CS classes in grade or high school or anything like that. So I started college, not sure what I wanted to do. My brother convinced me to take an intro to computer science class. So I had very low expectations, just kind of was like, you know, I'll sign up for it. I'll see what it's about. And I just immediately fell in love with it. I was in the class for a few weeks, probably before I decided to make my major computer science. And that's how I got started, kind of uh, like stumbled upon it. I, I think I got kind of lucky in that someone told me, you know, you might enjoy this. So that was my first experience with CS was just taking a class as a uh, college freshman. And then starting to get more into CS education, my first education experience was I started TAing that first class that I took. Um, and very quickly, I was started to realize how much I enjoyed teaching other people how to code. And so after that, I uh, spent a summer teaching coding classes um, and fell in love with it even more. And then after working for a bit as a full-time developer, I realized, you know, I think I really want to be in the tech education space versus working as a full-time developer. So that's kind of the, the short story of how I got from point A to B. And how did you discover Major League Hacking? Yes. So I attended a hackathon at the university I went to, Kansas State University, and um, really enjoyed it, had a fun time. And then the next year I organized the event. So some of my friends were organizing it, asked me if I wanted to help out, and I did. And then I got involved with MLH through that. I attended our organizer conference, HackCon, got to meet some people on the team, heard about some job openings, and then kind of went from there. What does your day look like now? Because you work in community, which is a lot different than developing day-to-day. So I have so many questions about that. But what? give us an example of your day-to-day. Yeah. So I know a lot of people say this, a little bit of a cliche answer, but the day-to-day is very different. Kind of big things that I work on are uh, my main function of my role is making sure that our organizers have whatever they need. So I do a lot of hopping on the phone with them to talk about 
what kind of programming they're running during their event or what their budget looks like or how they can market their event. That's a lot of my day-to-day is being on the phone with organizers. And then I've kind of transitioned into a little bit of a different role at MLH over the past few months, where I also focus a lot of my energy now on planning events that we run ourselves. Um, So we just ran an event two weeks ago now called a knit and it was this like huge kickoff event to our season so it was eight days I think of like workshops a lot of technical live streams things like that so I do a lot of project management on events that we run and do you miss that you're not coding all day long yeah so I don't miss coding for you know the whole 40 hour work week um, but I definitely try to find ways to bring it into my job as much as I can so a couple of ways I like to do that I'll mentor at our events um, from time to time I'll be you know teaching like a workshop or helping out with something like that at one of our events and then I also like to program a little bit on the side um, I found that I We definitely enjoy coding a lot more when it's like for fun and kind of Mm. something that I'm doing at my own pace. Totally. I think that's so important sometimes because I I backpack a lot and sometimes my mom will say, why don't you get a job and travel? I'm like, because I don't want to ruin my travels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what would you say is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome in your journey? Oh, that's a really good question. I honestly think one of the biggest ones for me was just getting out of the mindset that in order to work in tech, I needed to be the best programmer or a programmer who had been programming forever um, or that I needed to, you know, be like 100% all in on coding all the time. I think those three things kind of consistently made me want to, you know, switch my major or not finish my degree or just pursue jobs in other areas. Yeah. I've been lucky that I've had a lot of really great mentors who have told me like, Hey, no, like you still belong here. And, you know, having people who tell you that again and again, eventually you start to believe it more. Um, So I think that's probably been the biggest one for me, just like recognizing that I don't need to check all of those of boxes that I put out there in order to work in tech and enjoy working in tech. I was very, very lucky in college. I had um, a couple people in particular, so a couple CS professors who I had the opportunity to work closely with who really inspired me a ton and I think just kind of helped pave the path for me in that like tech doesn't need to be super intimidating and scary. It can be fun and lighthearted and really open for whoever. So I really got that, especially through, like I said, a few professors. And then I've also been very involved in ACM, the Association for Computing Machinery, and doing something like... Actually, can you dive into that more? Because people may not know about it. Totally. So ACM, like I said, stands for Association for Computing Machinery, and it's a professional organization for people in computer science, software engineering, the tech space. And what I really enjoyed or continue to enjoy about ACM is they focus not only on technical skills, but a lot of larger professional development, career advice. Through my involvement at ACM, I did 
mock interviews and had my resume critiqued and all of these things that I think just made me a lot more well-rounded through my involvement there. And that was also a really good way for me to see how much you can do with tech, just because I met people who worked in so many different areas and did so many different things in their day to day. What is one of your go-to pieces of software or a website or a mobile app that you're just like, oh, this is the best you can't live without? Yeah. um, So I think on the like more kind of nerdy technical side, I love playing around with Arduinos um, or any sort of like small electronics. I think it's Arduinos. Yes. What's an Mm -hmm. Arduino? I don't even know. What is that? Um, so Arduinos are essentially just a tiny computer that you oh, can program wow. to do different things. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I love playing around with hardware. I am a very like DIY crafty kind of person. And I think that's why I like any sort of hardware a lot. And how about like a website or mobile app? So website or mobile app for learning how to code specifically? No, any like just your go-to in your life. Like uh, oh. right now, I'd say one of my tops are, I love Notion. I'm like mm. obsessed with Notion. There's a few. Which one is yours? <laughs> so I am also a Notion fan. My, to be honest, my go-to app right now has been the New York Times crossword app. Through quarantine, ha! I've gotten obsessed answer. with crosswords. <laughs> I love that answer. That's a great answer. New York Times crossword app. Nice. I have this interesting question that I learned from a TED Talk. Essentially, what is your dream and what is blocking you from achieving that dream today? That is such a good question. Right now, I'd say my dream is probably to get to be able to do more of what I love day to day. I think I have a lot of different passions and I'm really, really lucky that my job right now fits into one of those passions, which is tech and equity in tech and getting more people into tech. But outside of that, I'm like super, super passionate about the environment and I love making art and things like that. Um, So I think my dream would be to get to do more of the things I love on a day-to-day basis instead of them kind of being siloed in my life Mm -hmm. right now. And what is blocking me? I mean, I think what's blocking me right now is I haven't tried to go after that at all. I think maybe a, uh, like, I'm not aware of a way that I could do it right now. And so it's kind of a, like, a void of like, this would be cool someday, but I don't even know what that would look like. Like, wait, so your block is the trying in itself. Did I hear you right? I think so. Like, tell me what resonates with you. Do you think it's because you feel like you don't have time to? Is it you think it's because you're a very focused person, so you don't want to distract yourself? Like, do you think it's because those things maybe aren't that important to you? Like, what do you think? Because like, or do you think you're like, I don't feel like it would be like you're afraid to have those things. Because like, I know one dream that I have is to write my book. And I would say I'm trying to write my book and, you know, like the block is that I'm 
trying to and not just writing my book, you know, and it, and so the, the what's underneath that is maybe fear that I'll write a bad book. There's fear that it's a dream that I've had since I was a little girl. And so like, that's a that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of weight, mm-hmm. you know, like, what does that mean to finally be like a legit author, you know, so but I feel like the th- things that you shared don't have that kind of weight. So what do you think it is? I guess I think one thing you resonated or one thing you said that resonated yeah. with me was the fear of it being a flop or, or a failure down the oh, road. And right when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, that that's totally me. Wait, really? Even though they're not like they're more like hobbies and not like professional things, you are still worried about them failing? Totally. I I think that that's kind of my personality, though, in a lot of ways. I I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist, but I would say I'm someone who, like, you know, really wants to make sure whatever I'm doing is something I can do my best at and be proud of my work at. And I think there's kind of an underlying fear there of, you know, if you like branch out too far or like, do something beyond your reach, you know, right. you might just like not live up to other people's expectations or I might let someone else down through the process. So interesting. Wow. Well, if there's anything anyone listening can do to support Mary in <laughs> releasing that fear and taking the leap to her dreams, please like reach out to her and support her and celebrate her and elevate her. Mary, has this been the first podcast that you're on or have you been on several? So I've only been on one other. I was on the Stack Overflow podcast a while back. That's a dope one. (laughs) This is my second one. (laughs) Yay! Stack Overflow, shout out. That's really cool. That's an exciting (laughs) podcast to be on. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It was fun too when I went on that one. It was right before COVID hit in New York City. And so I got to actually go into their office. They had a cool little studio and everything. Yeah, miss my studio. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I know that feeling. Well, Mary, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Is there anything you wanted to share before we wrap up? I don't think I have anything else big. I uh, I would just invite y'all to come to a hackathon if you uh, if you've ever been interested in it. This is your sign to to go and do it. Um, and if you just learned what a hackathon is right now, this is also your sign to sign up and come hang out with us. Um, and feel free to reach out to me if I can be helpful to any of you. What book do you recommend that we read? So Radical Candor is my big, yes, um, this is my big professional development book recommendation. Yeah. Um, For those of you who haven't read it, there's a lot of amazing things covered in it. My huge takeaway from this was how to give feedback and how to receive feedback better. And it was very kind. The uh, CEO and co-founder of MLH sent me this on my first week. It's two and a half years ago now because I expressed that being from the Midwest, I found it extremely difficult to give anyone any sort of constructive feedback. Um, but this book has really kind of changed the way that I view management and um, just how to interact with other people you work with. Amazing. And let's leave it on what's the best advice that you've gotten in your life that's really accelerated you forward? Yes. I hope this isn't a cheating answer, but it's advice that I just got a few weeks ago 
but it stuck out to me so much. I couldn't not pick it as my favorite. So a couple of weeks ago, I was running the first very large event for MLH that I've run as the main product manager, project manager. And going into it, my manager right before reminded me, hey, if anything goes wrong, you know, something is going to go wrong. But when it does, people aren't going to remember what exactly went wrong or what caused it. They're going to remember what you did to fix it and how we were able to move on from it. And it like just really struck me at the time. I think Mm -hmm. I'm someone who gets really caught up on not doing something right or something going wrong. I get like way too upset about it. Um, And so it was just such a good reminder to me, you know, when something doesn't go as planned, focus on what you can do to fix it. I really do think that is what people remember and what matters more in the end. And uh, I think that'll continue to be probably one of my favorite pieces of advice far into the future from now. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world. Remember, go to the at Women in Tech show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and go to womenintechvip.com to be a part of the community. I will see you guys here. You guys talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye. See ya. Hi, everyone. I'm Mary Siebert. I work as a community manager at Major League Hacking, where we empower student hackers all across the globe. I'm based in Brooklyn, New York, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.